2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm usually not one for a lot of words, but uh, I usually like to get right into my message. And so I hope that we can be a blessing to you in this service today. I don't know about you, but the older I get, I'll be 54 May. And I've been doing this full-time as an evangelist 23 years now. We built a church, pastored it nine and a half years. But I want to be more like Jesus. And when he comes again, I want him to find me busy about his business. Being everything I can be for him. And I hope that you feel the same way. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 5. Let's look at verse 6 now. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem under the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, <clears throat> Pardon me, except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither thinking. This is the mindset of the enemy. David cannot come in hither. They were so convinced at the ineptitude and the powerlessness of David and his men. And they said, we can put the blind and the lame on the wall and we'll let them fight the fight and you still won't come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David. And David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusite. I, I want you to notice that the words of intimidation from their adversary became their battle cry. Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore, they said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. And so David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. Let's read verse 10. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Mm. I want to draw your attention afresh to this verse. David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. I want to preach for just a little while from this subject, going on to greater things, going on to greater things. Let's put our Bibles down. Can we collectively just talk to the Lord right now. Let's get our mind totally focused on him tonight. Can we do that? Righteous God, we worship you and adore you today. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence in this place and to feel what we feel and to know that there is something in the atmosphere that beckons us to take a closer look and to draw a little closer to you and allow you to begin to move in our midst and you would begin to affect our lives and to quicken our spirit to the things that you have in store for your people. And I pray that you would illuminate our mind today and I pray 
pray, let a fresh breath of the Holy Ghost come upon us. And we give you praise and glory in the wonderful name of Jesus. Clap your hands to the Lord. Let's bless him right now. Come on, can you praise him right now? Lift your voice. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I would like to say at the outset of this discourse tonight that it has always been the will of God for his people and his church to dwell in a place of victory. And God has designed his church to dwell in victory and a place of prosperity and, and for God to put us in a place where we are able to grow and to become more what he desires for us to be that it's no more than just coming to church and uh, being faithful to the house of God. But there is something that takes place in our spirit that God begins to transform our very nature to become everything that God has designed for his people to be. And I believe it is his will tonight for every one of us to be more like he is and to reflect his glory in this world just like he would have it done. And that you and I can walk in that place of victory and, and be able to show the world that there still is power in the blood of Jesus Christ and transformation in the cross of Calvary today. And so I believe that God wants us to dwell in a place of victory. That no matter how we came to church tonight, no matter what's on the agenda for tomorrow, regardless of what we've got going on in our present world or the task that we've got in front of us, that God wants us to face those things and understand that I can walk in the power of the Holy Ghost and have a right spirit and a right attitude and see God's blessings flow in my life like never before if we'll hunger for God to move like he really really desires to move. Luke 12 and 32 tells us, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. It is the will of God for him to bless us. It is the will of God for him to move supernaturally in our lives. It is the will of God tonight for us to step up a little higher, to become more about what he wants us to be. It is the will of God for us to be more uh, filled with the Holy Ghost than we have ever been filled before. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I believe that's the will of God today. God wants a righteous church. He wants a righteous living people. Can I preach to you today? God wants a, a holy people in this world. He wants a church that has faith, that knows how to pray, that knows how to touch God and see miracles take place. But in this text, we read the story of David's quest to capture the city of Jerusalem. 
David had been anointed on three separate occasions as king over Israel and Judah. And here David is once again faced with a challenge. But he remembers what God has done in his life. David, as I said, was anointed three times. First, when he was called out of the field from tending his father's sheep. When the prophet came to Jesse's home and had the horn of oil in his hand, he was sent by divine direction from God. And while his brothers lingered around the house, David is faithfully watching and observant over his father's business. He is taking care of the flock. And while he lines the sons of Jesse up, there is no witness of the Spirit. And I want you to understand that there are many called but only few are chosen and uh, and I want you to also understand that a lot of that has to do uh, with what we do in response to God uh, and the opportunities that God uh, presents to us. I believe that if we really want to be used of God uh, it's not going to happen by casually going uh, through the motions and God drop it in our lap uh, but we seek after God uh, and we pray for God to move uh, and we line ourselves up for God to bless and to move in our lives. Somebody say amen. And so we find here that, that there is no witness of the Spirit. Do you have another son? Yes, he's out in the field. Then send for him because we will not sit down until he comes hither. We want to see this boy. There's got to be something about him. God's not giving me the witness that I need, but it's when David walks through the back door, if you will, and he stands there wanting to know what it is they really want. All of a sudden, there's a quaking in the prophet's hand, and the horn of all is turned over. Over, and the oil of anointing now flows down David's hair and he feels a transformation begin to take place in his life because the anointing always makes the difference. Secondly, he was anointed king over the northern portion of Israel. Thirdly, is king of the southern portion of Judah. But I want you to understand that we can be anointed and we can have the touch of God upon our life, but yet there be no appointment for us to labor in. Here, David is a king with no throne. He is a king with no city to rule from. He is a man who has an anointing. He is also a man that has skill. He is a man that has talents, but here is also a man uh, that he has no position uh, for all of that to flow through. You listen to me carefully, church. Uh, God did not place you here uh, uh, without the forethought and the wisdom of God. Uh, I think it is amazing that that was stated tonight about the wisdom of God. Uh, I want you to understand that God knows uh, what he's doing at Lighthouse. Uh, he knows the plans uh, that he has for you. He has a design with victory written all over it, church. And it's up to us to say, God, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, I say yes, God, and I want to see it come to pass. You see, every time God plans something in our life, don't ever think for one second that the enemy is not aware of it. Hello, somebody. 
Some of you come to this service, you wonder why you're fighting so much oppression, fighting hell, if you please, and you're going through so much uh, in your life, in your family, in your marriage, and you wonder where did this come from? Can I submit to you tonight that could it be that the devil is responding uh, through the plans that God already has uh, with your name on it? Uh, God has something in mind, uh, and he's allowed the enemy to get a sneak preview uh, but if you allow this battle and you allow this challenge to go unanswered, then you go home the way you came and nothing ever changes. But all of a sudden, something can take place because the Lord is in this house. His spirit has filled the atmosphere and how we respond today will make all the difference of what takes place in our tomorrows. David had come to Jerusalem with this small band of warriors to take the city out of the hands of the Jebusites. Thank you. You will not lose your reward, brother. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> Pardon me, folks. Hallelujah. I shouldn't have had that meant. Praise God. But David had come to the city of Jerusalem. Here is a man who who knows this is the will of God. He knows that this is the timing. He knows that this is the place. Are you listening to me tonight? He understands that, that this is the place that God has chosen. I understand that we can, uh, we can start rationalizing and uh, we can start trying to think everything through and, and say, well, Brother McCool, what about every other United Pentecostal church? Uh, they are not lighthouse. Uh, you see, there is a design and there is a purpose uh, to which God has called you. There is a uniqueness to every assembly and every body of believers. There is a chemistry that is a part of this church that God desires to use. And, I, and this is not in my notes, but I'm going to preach what I feel in the spirit right now, that you've got to come to the place where you awaken to the fact that we are not like everybody else. God chose us for this time, and God's got a job for us to do, and we want to do it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and here David has come to a place that presents another challenge he knows that the odds are not in his favor he realizes perhaps they are outnumbered and they're outgunned but here David is not daunted or intimidated by the task at hand. He looks at this city and he realizes that this is the city of God. This is the city whose walls hold the heartbeat of God. It is here that God has chosen to, to establish his throne. It is here that God wants his kingdom on earth to flourish from. I truly believe that the intentions of God were that David should reign and rule and rule well because the previous administration had failed so miserably. But God wanted to take this opportunity to change things and reveal to them that there is always something greater on the horizon for those that are willing to obey and pursue what God has for us. Praise God. The Jebusites saw that David was coming. And I want you to understand the devil knows that Lighthouse is coming for this city.
that's why preparations are being made. I tried to get away from this. said, Lord, they don't need all that. They, let, me, let me preach something that, you know, build their faith. Let me preach something that's going to. And the Lord said, you just go ahead and preach what I tell you to preach. I said, all right, you're the boss. I said, all right. And so I just believe in obeying the Lord tonight. But I've come to address something in the Holy Ghost to this church. I don't know what's going on. I know you had a business meeting. What's going on is none of my business. I stayed in that office. But the Lord was talking to me this afternoon on my drive up here. And uh, the Lord began to deal with my spirit. And God said, you need to just go ahead and flip the switch. And I will deal with those that respond. And I'll show this church what I will do if they will simply believe me. We don't always understand the processes of God and why God wants to do some of the things that he does. I don't understand it. He leaves me scratching my head, question marks on my forehead for a lot of times. But I want you to understand something. God needs somebody that's not just going to follow. He needs somebody that's willing to follow through. And so the Lord began to deal with my spirit and the Lord quickened me. And it's here that David realizes that it's not going to be an easy task. And every time you start doing the will of God, you might as well expect opposition. Everybody say opposition. Some of y'all, y'all either need some coffee, hallelujah. Y'all, I know you're ready to go home. It's been a long day, so let me hasten. What time is it, 8.23? My Lord, have mercy. I got seven minutes to get you out of here. Praise God. Let me hasten. You ready? All right. The Jebusites begin to taunt David. And this is what happens if we're not careful because the enemy starts using people and using well-meaning saints and God begins to use the outside elements to begin to discourage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen. And so when you begin to move in the direction that God is wanting you to move in, all of a sudden you wonder, why is all this happening? We can't get it started without something going wrong. Something takes place that we, that we just, you know, we don't understand why it just didn't have his will of God. It ought to be smooth. Whoever told us that? Many times when it is the will of God and we have a direction from God, all of a sudden uh, pressures come from everywhere. And we say, Why? Because God wants to test not only your will to have victory, but your resolve to see it happen. And so they begin to taunt and intimidate. And this is one of the things that the enemy uses, number one, to discourage. Even in the book uh, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, the, the spirit of discouragement uh, was a battle that uh, uh, was one to be reckoned with. I, uh, there are other writers that talk about discouragement as one of the devil's greatest weapons against the people of God, against well-meaning pastors and church secretaries and Sunday school teachers and, and uh, family members. When you're trying to be a soul winner and teach Bible studies, all of a sudden you start trying to do the will of God and everything seems to fall apart. Nothing's falling into place and you get discouraged. Everybody say discouraged. 
discouragement. But it's when that spirit of discouragement shows up, you need to recognize it for what it is. It is not a stumbling block. It is your stepping stone to the victory that God has for you. And so if he can't discourage you, he begins to intimidate you. And he begins to tell you what a low life you are and what a failure you are. And you can't see it happen. And it'll never come to pass. But I've come to serve the devil notice that still the word is true. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's why the Bible said when David comes and the words of intimidation and discouragement are hurled over the walls of Jerusalem, the Bible said nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. I wanna ask you tonight, does anybody here need a nevertheless in your life, in your family, in your situation? My God. See, the devil wants to make you look like and feel like the weak and the helpless one, that it can't happen, that it'll never come to pass. He taunts and intimidates us, but the rest of the story can be told tonight in one word, nevertheless. I'm addressing some families in this church that you need to let nevertheless find a place in your vernacular where you speak faith regardless of your circumstance. Never less. You see, God has a final say in everything. And I, I'm deviating from a lot of this, so just be patient with me tonight, all right? Praise God. The word of God tells us, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not, everybody said shall not, prevail against it. Oftentimes we think that that is an offensive word. It's the devil attacking us and it will not prevail over us. That's not what it's talking about. In fact, uh, the term itself is a defensive term. It means the church is on the offensive. And no matter what the devil does, no matter what the spirit of hell does, it cannot prevail to keep you back. need an illustration, then let me take you to Genesis 1 where in the beginning was the word and the scripture tells us that the Lord sees the darkness and speaks to the darkness. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void. Everybody said void. The word means chaos. Anybody facing some chaos today? Hmm? Anybody facing some things you need God to move in? What you need is a word from the Lord. God goes on the offensive and he speaks and he causes darkness to flee like a scalded dog. Let me ask you something. What, what can God do in your life today if you were willing to go on the offensive regardless of the opposition? I want you to think about it with me. How many souls can you see pray through in these altars, not just in this year? But in the next three months, I'm going to challenge your spirit and I want to challenge your thinking tonight. You have to, you have to come to grips with the fact the opposition's coming. 
But God said, I want you to dwell in a place of victory. I want you to go on to greater things. I don't want you to stagnate in, in, in the forethought of, of trying to get it figured out because there's going to be some things we're not going to figure out. I felt that, I felt that hit. Can I, can I say something to you tonight? Let me help you. Let me help you. You're not going to figure it out. I don't care if you got a mathematical degree from, from, from MT. It doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't matter if you got a doctorate degree in physics. I got news for you. You're not going to find the equation that's going to put all the, all the equations and the variables in the right place and come up with the summation and the answer. I'm here to tell you, the answer is in him. I'm not doing away with, with uh, education. I'm not trying to dispel that because I have an education. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I believe in that. My daughters, you know, they've got degrees and all that. I want you to understand something, that, that there comes a time where we've got to get this human intellect and our mind out of gear and start getting it in the book. I'm talking about carnal reasoning, stinking thinking. Questioning God. The Bible says David's secret to victory was that he took the passage where the gutter entered into the city. I'm not going to be able to finish this message, but I'm going to get to this point and I'm going to, I'm going to close this thing out. Is it all right? Listen to me carefully. David's secret to victory was that he took the passage where the gutter entered into the city in the walls of the city. The Bible tells us here when David begins to take this in words of intimidation, this 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 screeching noise of intimidation that has come to he and his men. And he says on that day, I want you to understand this, sometimes you gotta get up and talk back to the devil. You've got to talk back to the circumstance. You, you know, you're a child of God. You're purchased with the blood. Why do you want to let the devil use you for a foot mat? I have, you know, in years past, pastoring people, and I've seen people struggle so much with depression and so many other things, and I, I understand that there are physical and viable things that kind of contribute to that, but I've always gone back to this one thing because my dad had suffered from depression for years and, and taken things, but the one thing my dad always did and one thing he would say, he says, son, I'd always go back to the Word of God and all the things that seem to be so muddled and so messed up all of a sudden become clear. I want you to understand there's still power in the word tonight uh, that helps us speak, find that clarity of spirit uh, to know that we know that we know that we know that God uh, is going to work everything out. Oh, praise God, praise God. And so David finds a way. It does not seem to be something that, that would be obvious because if it were, I think the Jebusites would have found a way to put a stop to it. The Bible said that he takes the gutter that enters into the walls of the city. And this gutter is actually the Gihon Fountain where it flows into a well inside the city walls of Jerusalem. The law first mentioned in the scripture, the Gihon was one of four original rivers that existed in paradise. Now, Gihon means rushing water. Everybody say rushing water. 
And it was through this flow that access was found to victory for David. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying myself. And I get a little excited when I preach. Amen. But I feel like I'm more in a kind of a treaching mode right now. So just stay with me, all right? I'm going to get you out of here. I promise. God help me. Hallelujah. Folks going to have confidence in a lying preacher now. Lord, help me. Help me. Help me get this done. All right. But listen to me. He says, David finds a way. And some of you here, y'all need to find a way right now. You're trying to find a way through the things that are opposing you. You're trying to find a way to break through, and I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're trying to find a way to, to break through what seems to be a, a stagnation in your spirit. You just don't feel like spiritually you're, you're firing on all eight cylinders. You, you somehow feel that your prayers are so weak and empty that they don't even get past the ceiling of your prayer room. That no matter what you do, there seems to be no fire and joy and resilience of worship. I've got a word for you tonight. David finds a way when he gets down into the flow of the water. Bible tells us it's not by power, it's not by might, it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's the fuel that runs this thing. Doesn't matter what our programs are. I love you, but I'm going to talk to you tonight. It doesn't matter what our programs are. It doesn't matter. You can bring in the most high-powered evangelist. It doesn't matter. You can bring in great teachers and all of those things. That's fine. That's wonderful. You can bring in praise teams, and you can bring in children's ministries, and you can go through all of the church growth programs that you want to, but all of those things are nothing more than the structure. They're not the fuel. It takes a praying church for those things to become powerful. takes a church that is in the flow. Everybody say, in the flow. I want you to do something you probably wouldn't want to do, but look behind you and ask them, are you in the flow? Look up here and say, preacher, are you in the flow? Thank you. I figured you all might want to bring that back this way too. But the Bible said it's not by power or by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You see, the Holy Ghost is a river of water that we can find an inroad to victory if we really want it. And I want to submit something to you, and I, I, I want the musicians to come. Sis, where are you? Praise God. Hallelujah. Got yourself on up here. Glory. John seven thirty seven. the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, he was looking to give them an answer for all answers. Here Jesus speaks to them, crying, saying, if any man thirst. In fact, the word here, cry, is a very strong term here in your New Testament. And Jesus is not just simply talking. He's, he is crying out. There is a burden on him. 
and uh, you, you see your pastor under a great burden while he's preaching and teaching sometime and the intensity of the, of the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. I want you to understand it's, it's not just empty words. You need to be tuning in to that. Because it's more than just the words. It's the Spirit behind it that we've got to connect with. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Everything goes back to the thirst for the flow. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit that they which believe on him should receive. Listen to me. God puts a great precedence on being filled with the spirit. Now, folks, I'm not talking about just talking in tongues. Can I clarify that tonight? In Pentecost, we are so guilty sometimes of emphasizing tongues. I'm talking about being filled with the spirit. let you think about that. When I pray through, I pray through under an old timer. I pray through under a man of deep consecrated prayer. I'm talking about a man who walked in the flow. And I learned something as that man was my pastor before I ever went to Texas Bible College. And there's one thing about Bible College is you better get your prayer life most likely before you get there. And you better get some things established before you get there. If you're going to go, I didn't charge you for that. Just put that in your pocket. But God puts a precedence on being filled with the Spirit. Full. Everybody say full. I want to ask you tonight, are you full? Let me ask you tonight, are you full? It's, it's more than just getting a feel good. It's more than just talking in tongues. It's, it's more than just feeling something come over you while the praise team is singing. I'm talking about a place where we have removed the elements and the distractions of the world and we have spent time in the presence of the Lord and we are, everybody say, full. In Luke 1.15, he spoke of John the Baptist. He should be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be, everybody say, filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Luke 4 and 1, speaking to Jesus, being full, everybody say, full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Could it be that we are not really led until we become full? John Maxwell often has said, just a thought. Acts 4 and 31, when they had prayed, everybody say, when they had prayed, not if they prayed, but when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all, everybody say, filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. You want, you want to teach a Bible study where the Holy Ghost moves and you lay hands on that person sitting across that table from you and see them receive what you're talking about? How about it, Sunday school teacher, when you're teaching that Sunday school class, really what is your aim? I'm not here to pastor you. I'm here to challenge your thinking and challenge your spirit today. But what is your aim? What is the thrust, the impetus, the goal? I'm talking about going on to greater things, that you're not just a church of the status quo. You're a church that's on the cutting edge. 
And when I mean cutting edge, I'm not talking about the technology and the screens and all of the things and the, and the live video stream. I'm talking about where you have plugged into the Holy Ghost. And people drive in off this interstate. And they try to find their way to this church with broken lives, broken marriages, broken children. And their lives are in a mess. And they can walk through the doors of this church. And they can find a peace. And they can find a life worth living. In 1990, right about 2001, a guy I'd been praying about a year, I knew a change was coming in my ministry. And we went to the city of Gulfport, which is my hometown. I know thousands of people on every level, every age. I have people say, man, you are crazy. What are you doing coming off the evangelistic field? I was booked. I didn't have to change anything. But the Lord said, it's time now. I want you to go. You see, when the Lord starts dealing with you and showing you things and you know that that you've got the anointing, you know that there is a plan involved, that God's timing is at play. And when we went there, we had three elderly women And in one month's time, we grew from them and my family of five, eight people to ten. Not much, but it's a start. And in three years, we grew from that little handful to 55 people. Brand new, some backsliders, and no move-ins in three years. It came because we built a church on prayer. We didn't have nothing but a flat-top guitar. I heard the old-timers talk about it. I said, well, we're going to make it work. We had an old broke-down piano that was out of tune. We had people come, couldn't keep that crazy thing in tune. I was ready to yank it out and use it for kindling. My girls were young, never led a service, never even played in church. But you got to start somewhere. And we just let God move and we preach the word. And we let God move and we preach the word. You know, all the things that the old timers told us about, I want to assure you, it works. I know the days are different, but like I told you before, it's structure, it's not the fuel. And when we get plugged in to where the fuel is, You're going to be surprised at how God uses you. Let's all stand. I've got to stop. Thank you for your patience and indulgence. We have spent nights on end in prayer. When we were pastoring, we would come together as a church. There was not a time that I remember unless they were just, our elderly were just not able to come out of the sanctuary and pray. And it was a little bitty old church. In fact, you could probably fit two of them in this building right here. And we had a little area in the back which served as our fellowship hall. And we had chairs that lined the walls and we would invite people to come back and pray. 
It got so crowded in there, we moved everything to the sanctuary. So even when visitors came in the door, they would hear the prayers even before they got to the steps of the church. People would pray. They would get under a burden. And sometimes the burden would get so intense, you just couldn't even have church anymore. You just had to pray and let God move. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that preaching is not necessary because it's vitally important. But when God begins to move in such a way, it's just best to go with what God's doing. There are times that we saw people come off of a highway out of Popperville, Mississippi to Lyman where we were at. And for no reason they could understand, they would all of a sudden take a ride on Church Street, little old backwoods place, and they would drive down to the corner of Church and Fifth, and they'd stop and look back over their shoulder, and they'd see that little church there, just a white cinder block building. The roof wasn't much account. We thought any moment it would probably fall in, the big old swag in the top of the roof, but we, we worshiped what, what we had. And they would back up and they would pull into the parking lot and they'd get out of their car and then they'd walk up the steps and open the door. And I've watched countless people come through those doors not even knowing why they came. I knew why they came because the Spirit of the Lord reached out there and got them. God was doing a work in their life. And I have watched them pray through to the Holy Ghost before they ever got off the linoleum onto the carpet in a little bitty old vestibule that we had. Listen to me, church. God wants to move in such a way in the city of O'Fallon that it literally shakes this city and this surrounding area. Folks, that's not preacher guff. I'm telling you what I know in the Spirit and what the Holy Ghost is dealing with me to talk to you about today. You've got to take the limits off God and go on to greater things because it's not the sky's the limit because with God there is no limit. The only limits with God are what we place on Him. The only limits to revival are what we decide are the limits. God told Abram to go out and walk, look to the north side, as far as you can go, Abram, and it's going to be yours. Wherever you decide to stop, that's where I stop. I want to ask you something. How great could the miracle have been for Abram if he would have continued to walk on to greater things? I want you to think about it. What can happen in this church? What can take place Sunday morning? Some of your loved ones can come and pray through. Some of you got fam, large families connected to and, and perhaps and, and you, you wonder how we're going to get them all to church. I'm telling you, you go to praying and you start interceding and you start breaking through some barriers. I'm telling you, the promises of God and what he said he would do will be yours. You say, well, I'm not sure about that. I'm sure about it. Jenny Ketter, she married a young man that's pastoring in North Texas, Jeremy Shields. And they came to our church and they helped us for a while. And during the time of revival displaced during Hurricane Katrina, we prayed 13 of her family members through in two nights. Don't tell me it can't happen. 
I'm here to interject a word of faith. I hope you'll receive it tonight because something great is on the horizon for this church and you don't want to miss it. And it involves you. You might as well make up your mind. I'm going to be a part of what God is doing. Come on, let's lift our hands. I'm closing right now. Come on, let's go ahead and lift our hands and love the Lord right now. Come on, some of you young men right now, you you have an anointing on your life and you need to let that anointing find a way to express itself. It, it may not be with a Bible under your arm, but if you'll just love people and reach out to your friends and, and you will encourage them and just let your light shine for God. If, if those of you that are already in the process of teaching Bible studies if you will not be afraid or intimidated to let God move while you're in their home I'm here to tell you incredible things can take place and you can pray them through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost right there in their home I'm here to tell you it works I prayed them through in Mazio's Pizza I prayed them through in restaurants I prayed them through right in the middle of the street amen and it can happen in this church it will happen in this church. There are young ladies right here with an incredible anointing upon their life. But God has a timing. God has a place for you. And you don't want to miss it when God says it's time for you to move and claim what is yours. Come on, I want to open these altars. I know there are others that you may desire to come. I encourage you, come on, because you have that anointing on your life. And you know God's got his hand upon you. Come on, I want to encourage you right now. Come on, let's spend a little time and talk to God. Hallelujah.